Jess shivered. Sun was pouring through the windows, but the laboratory felt unnaturally cool. How come you know upper limb already? I got bored and read ahead. Seriously? When I get bored, I go for a coffee or a bike ride. Something fun. The brachial plexus is pretty extraordinary, Stanley said, and his black eyes flashed wide. I could teach you about it sometime. Stanley had memorised Jessica's student number. He knew that last semester, in anatomy, she had scraped by with 55. It was a passing grade, but only just. Jessica said nothing. Red tits don't come back, he said, and then, seeing the bewildered expression on her face, explained, it's a mnemonic. Roots, trunks, divisions, cords, branches. That's a relief. I wasn't sure what kind of tits you were talking about. They laughed. Stanley looked down at the macerated tissue in Jessica's hand. Why were you crying before? Jessica's smile evaporated. Everybody, including Stanley, knew that Eddie Mitchell had cheated on her with Stephanie Hubbard. It's not important. And in this cold glass room of formaldehyde-infused body parts, where a tit was a bird and nothing more, it wasn't. A couple of heifers look up with mild interest as the crimson Salika rattles past. When the car reaches a letterbox fashioned from a milk can, Jess takes a sharp left turn. The hatchback sputters up the gravel driveway. I told you to get rid of that shitbox years ago, Jessica's father bellows when they park in front of the house. Stanley, Jess says, jumping out of the car, meet my dad. Dairy farmer and Ford Falcon tragic Neville Cook. Neville sticks his pink, large-pawed face up against the dusty glass. He grins. Pleased to meet you. Behind him stands an older version of Jessica, shorter and rounder, but with the same broad, gap-toothed smile. She wears an apron, which reads, This hen cooks from scratch, and has one arm around a long-haired teen. Stanley gets out of the car as Jess slams her door shut. Let me look at you, the woman says, letting go of the boy to grab her daughter with flowery hands. She holds Jess at an arm's length and then, as if unable to bear the distance, pulls her into a tight embrace. Don't they feed you at these residential colleges? Never mind, we'll fatten you up. I've got your favourite. Tuna casserole in the oven and apple pie for dessert. Stanley shifts his feet. His bladder is ready to burst. He'd looked respectable when they left Melbourne, but now his clothes are wet with sweat. Thankfully, nobody, except perhaps the oily teenager, takes much notice of him. They are too busy retrieving Jessica's duffel bag from the car and marvelling at the latest, what is that, strawberry blonde? Colour of her hair. It is really only when the family sits down to dinner that anybody remembers Stanley is there. When did the first fleet arrive in Australia? 26th of January, 1788. They were in Stanley's studio apartment on Spencer Street, swatting up for his citizenship test. I bet most Australians, Jessica said, making quotation marks with her fingers, don't even know that. Stanley stood up and walked four paces to the kitchen. A corner with a hot plate and a couple of chipboard shelves. Tea? 
he said, as he flicked the switch on the kettle. Jessica nodded. He didn't understand the way Australians drank tea. The nurses in the hospital seemed to have made a religion of it, retreating every three hours to a dedicated tea room to cradle world's best mum mugs to their breasts. For Stanley, drinking tea was something done from porcelain cups, in restaurants, with family and friends. Do you miss it? Jessica asked, pointing to a framed photo of him with his mother in the Tiger Balm Gardens. It was the wrong question. She should have asked, what do you miss about it? And then he would have answered, the lights and the noise and the crowds and the chaos. As it was, he only mumbled, not really. Beer, Neville offers, pointing a crooked finger at Stanley. Stanley nods. He has yet to develop a taste for beer, preferring...